You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. All righty, welcome back to the Stateside Podcast. My name is James Ian McMillan. I am your host. In fact, I'm your only host. Uh, Andrew Carrion is gone. He's been traveling. Our dear, dear producer is traveling. And Neil is busy working, as usual. He's got a career. Um, today, to my left, in studio, we have a special guest, Edwin, from the delicious band Pacific Meantime. How's it going, Edwin? Good. How are you doing, James? Thanks for being on, man. I'm doing well. Thanks for um, having me, man. Stateside's producer, Ryan, Ryan Lewis, um, worked on the Slash record, and we couldn't be more proud of it. It turned out so well. Um, yeah. yeah. I mean, it turned out, it, I was telling you before the show started, Ryan indicated that it's one of his favorite things he's ever done. So well, that's, I mean, that's, that's a high compliment indeed, because he's done a lot of cool things, and that's, and that's, you know, the reason we contacted him in the first place, but. Yeah, yeah, we we really couldn't believe just uh, how how good a fit for it for us and yeah. for the recording process, for the drum process. I mean, we knew that we were working with you know. I we sent Ryan an email. I think it was winter of 2016. Yeah, it was um, a while ago. It was yeah, prior it was, to me representing him. Oh, that's right. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Yeah, um, and. You know, we knew at the time that he was living down in L.A. and and uh, you know to get him to come up here, that you know we'd have to <clears throat> sort of convince him. You know, we, we knew it wasn't like a, a short shot that he would definitely want to come up here and work sure. with us. But um, but he had he had just finished the record with the loved. Um, mm-hmm. Those guys are our buddies, and you know it's it sounds fantastic. We knew that Ryan was just the man to make the good sounds happen. Right. But it was a little bit of a leap of faith in that, like, the the body of work that he had worked on before definitely wasn't in the same style of music at all. Yeah. So the extent to which he gets where we're coming from and, and speaks that same language, is likes the same music, is into the same stuff, and, like, yeah. and can, and, you know, really has a handle on those sorts of sounds... That was that was a real pleasant. Surprise. Well, that's the funny thing is, he actually like your style of music is his like one of his favorite types of music. You yeah, know, that's when, what he was saying. I mean, which, yeah, which was interesting because you know the band called the Velveteen. You know, they are. Yeah, you, you guys would like him, but uh, yeah, because he was in a band called Crosstide. Right, right. Hear that, and he he told me that he feels like this record. I I know I'm just. Uh, not quoting him verbatim, but he said something along the lines of how this record is cross-tied, you know, the carry-on of cross-tied. Like, what would have happened if cross-tied kept going? Well, again, that's that's a high so, compliment, man. Yeah. Those guys were great. They were fantastic. Supernatural uh, genre for him to do. 
Well, yeah, yeah was, I mean, it, pretty much as soon as we were together, because I mean, it was just emails, you know, like it, 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 we barely knew him. We we did. Um, in fact, I think my only actual contact with Ryan was after our last CD release show when he he was actually playing bass, if I'm not mistaken, in the Loved at that point, or maybe just okay. for the show. I, I don't yeah. remember the details, but Sounds we played like together. something Ryan would do. We played together in 2014 when we released our first uh, our, our debut record, and and the Loved played second. You know, we played the headlining slot, and uh, and we hung out after the show, smoked a bowl, right, and um, and just and had you know had a great conversation just in, in, in the context of the it best for that after kind of the stuff. show yeah. kind of deal. To the point where I, I even remember specifically my wife as as we were leaving, she's like, well, "That's a super cool guy." That's so awesome. And I was like, "Yeah, he's super cool." To, to be honest with you, that's why I I don't have any I don't have any doubt that he's going to do great things, and he's going to continue to work with great artists because he's because of that he's such a people guy and like <laughs> just I don't think people forget that producing is is working with people in a pretty vulnerable state. Absolutely, and, yeah. You know, you work so fucking hard on these records, and I don't understand how, how producers are just like, "Well, you came to me for a reason. Like, this is the sound I do. That's what you're going to get." And I mean, whatever. Teach their own. I know that works for some people, but that ain't Ryan. Like, no, his whole no, thing is no. to to sit down and see where you're coming from, what inspires you, what are you listening to. Yeah, suss where you're coming simple. from, and 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 do it subliminally. Right? You know, that's. Yeah. That's the whole thing to just just keep an easy vibe, you know, while on the, on the same hand, like having, you know, real super solid access to, you know, of course, mental organization, but also just, you know, all the all the techniques that you might want to use and, you know, the technology, like running right. Pro Tools and everything like that, because, I mean, he was. He was not just our producer. He was, I mean, at, at Jackpot, he was our engineer. His engineer. And you know, so he's got a lot going going on. He mixed and, it. And he mixed it as well. Yeah. Exactly. So. Who did you guys end up sending to mastering? I don't remember. We um, we ended up sending our record to a guy named Jared Hirschland. Mm, that's um, right. Okay. I remember that name now. Who I think, you know, when we got to the mastering conversation, Ryan, you know, we he was back in L.A. by, by that point. We just shared a few texts and he was, you know, he said, well, I've, you know, I've used this guy. I've used this guy. You know, here's somebody who's super expensive, did a really great job. You know, here's this guy who's almost always says it too loud. And and then sort of just as an afterthought, he was like, and I've heard good things about this other guy. And I sent him an email and Jared Hirschland replied, like, it was one of those, you know that it's kind of a rare thing, like, sort of in the music industry when you, like, you, you email somebody and, like, the reply comes right in away. five minutes or three minutes Isn't or whatever. Refreshing? Like, versus, it's the best. you know, sending two emails, yeah. you know, two weeks apart Quite and saying, hey, get. did you like, get my first email, you know? It's and, fucking annoying. No doubt, man. But this guy replied right away and... uh and he had like three different tiers. Like he had like self-released rate, uh, independent release rate, major label rate, which right. I thought was super cool. And the just made it easy for you, yeah. And the self-release rate, rate which was you know our situation right. was was super affordable. Um, and then you know when we looked at his catalog, he he, he had just he had worked on a bunch of uh, a bunch of cool records, yeah, you know, like the Gothic Tropic uh, record. Okay. Um, 
Oh gosh, I forget. He's um, a local guy, yeah. No, he's down. He, he's he's somewhere in California. Oh, okay, in Los Angeles, probably. Well, that's cool. Um, so, to, you know, for the audience at home, if they don't know the band Pacific Meantime, they don't know about you guys. Try just give a quick, you know, who you are, where you come from, quick bio, and and sort of why you play music. Yeah, sure thing. Um, so we, uh, we all live here in Portland, and. And we have, I mean, I've been here for 25 years now. Yeah. Um, the The band is, the, the singer, Hamilton Sims, and I go go way, way, way back. We, uh, we were actually in the same dorm of the same, uh, at the same uni- at Tulane University in New Orleans back in 1989. We were freshmen together in the same dorm. Uh, we, we didn't like hang out that year. Uh, you know, we were in different social circles, but we knew who each other were. And then, um, I was playing in this band with, with my, the woman who's now my wife and other friends. And, um, and I was singing for this band and, but I'm a, I'm a super reluctant singer. I don't like to sing. So are you mostly just writing and doing guitar stuff? Writing and yeah. doing the guitars. Yeah. And, you know, play the keys on, on this record. Dude, you're a great player. Thanks, man. I, I, I mean, I love it. It's really good. Thanks. Not, pre- not to interrupt. I appreciate but, that. Yeah. Um, so, so, uh, he, I, I asked him, or actually our drummer, Dan, asked, asked Hamilton if he wanted to try out for this band that we were playing in New Orleans. And let me tell you, man, this we're talking like some kind of weird music. Like we were sort of, I mean, all our songs were like seven, eight minutes long. Oh, like no. Four or five, yeah, really? ten sections, time signature. Yeah, basically, no basically frog. Um, but with, I don't know. It was, Isn't I, that funny oh, how like, because if I were to hear Pacific Meantime, I would never assume that you'd been in a band like that. But that's how it is. We're all like that. Like I used to be in an instrumental math rock band, you know, like super totally heavy. Man. I, I think it's like proggy. a, I think it's like a sort of a development thing. Cause yeah. it's, for me, it's sort of been a full cycle thing. Cause uh, it's also, we like all that kind of music. You know, we're not just one genre of people. Oh, totally. I don't you know anyone that is. With, with, with as many different things. Like, right. But I think you always, you come back to what, what, what most resonates with you. And like, in, when I first started playing guitar at about age 13, 14, the things that were inspiring me and that I was trying to learn were band were, was, you know, back then you, in the eighties, they called it college rock. Yep. And, uh, you know, it was bands like REM, New Order, uh, U2, um, Love U2, Love uh, New Order. Yeah. Smiths, The totally. Cure, all those kinds of bands. Those were the bands that really excited me. And I said, you know, right when I started playing guitar and playing in bands, then when I went to college, so like I kind of didn't really, I was aware of classic rock and it was all around me. But like when I went to college, like everybody's listening to like Zeppelin and like, you know, The Doors and Traffic and bands like this. And also I was in New Orleans and there's all this rootsy, super funky, sure. awesome music. So all of a sudden I like, I put all that other stuff on hold and was like, whoa, like kind of like shredder music and not like not shredder in the metal sense but like virtuoso like you know know grooves and whatnot and i got really into that that aspect and so i think we were kind of really enthralled by music or you know the the tech 
technical sense of it and like complicated stuff and like and so I think that's kind of why we were sort of doing this more proggy stuff. But then over the years, it's kind of come back full circle and sort of right back to the song. Because I can even admit to probably you know in our, in our you know our twenties and in these early days, we were probably quite sort of about it too and we were probably like well we play really complicated music mm. because uncomplicated music is stupid right you know? me too and so but it's like who cares yeah you kind of get back cares. to where you came from if I'm being honest I think this band I don't know if you agree but I think your band is a really good melting pot of all of that I think it's technical it's not easy to play I mean some kid that just can play power chords ain't gonna be able to hang in a band right and I think that that the melody stuff that you're into and just songwriting has kind of melded into this. And it's there's kind of like electronic vibes in there too. A lot of yeah, synthy, like you were saying, there's keyboards all over this record. Yeah. Um, well, that's what, that's kind of, so that's, cool. that, that's a cool observation. Cause I, cause it's, yeah, it's not like, it's not like, you know, oriented just utter simplicity, you know, in sure. sort of like a three chord sense. But I think I like to have something that, you know, fits structure that feels recognizable and feels right. you know doesn't feel like you're trying to throw a million things but there's little subtle changes going on you know there's like like the baseline won't be the same in the first verse as the second verse which is you know, crazy. Like little little things that turn around yeah. that that uh you know that keep the interest but that but but that you won't necessarily notice on the first listen yeah. you know that like yeah. it's something to discover later i guess that's kind of what we're more right. into like kind of like a good movie yeah you, you watch you know pulp fiction over and over and every time i watch it i pick up something yeah, different find something something new and, and that's, that's, that's totally at its core whole... it's just a cops and robbers movie you know it's just a super basic story that's been told that's yeah, really that, that's cool why i almost like in, in some ways like i kind of like i mean of course you want everyone to like your record um but i'm i also sort of like it when people are sort of confused by it a little bit like <laughs> right. just because i mean and I've, we've gotten a little bit of that like i mean we're getting good reactions for sure but um it's w- one really consistent uh comment is that it's um it's very different from the last one and that's, that's good that's good for us because we were going for that we wanted it to be you know yeah we we were hearing something different and, and that means we achieved it but I mean, I had one friend who was like, he was, he was almost kind of angry. He was like, where are the guitars, man? What happened? Right. He was like, well, you know, they're actually, there's, there's guitar in every song. Just, just listen a little bit more. They're just like, they're either affected and they sound strange or yeah. maybe they're playing some supporting line, but not the main thing, you know? And you can still, rock is a funny thing, right? Like heavy is a, is a subjective word. Like indeed, you know, heavy music can be Pantera, and it can also be Cigaros. Right, right. <laughs> it's, it's heavy. It's, it's heavy ugly. with emotion. It's heavy Dense. with density. Yeah. And I think you guys are a heavy band. I there's agree a, with that. There's yeah. a band called Train Dodge. Have you heard Train Dodge? Train Dodge. You might dig them actually. I will have to check them out because it, when you said lack of guitar, kind of like they have riffs, and they obviously are a rock band: drums, bass, guitar, singer. But they have a ton of synth and keyboard in the back. But it's such a like a warm, overwhelming, um, kind of like how my bloody Valentine would do that. Just Ooh, a wall yeah. of sound, S- sort of not that same sound, but the, the same effect. You right. know, and I think um, I think that's great. So that's cool that that's what you guys were going for, and that's what you did. 
and that's it's funny like I, you know, I heard uh, the singer of Deftones talking because I grew up listening to Deftones. That's one of my my all time favorite bands, more the the early stuff. And you know, the singer was talking about how it comes to a certain point when every time they release a record, it doesn't matter. It matters how well it does, so they can keep doing their job financially and touring all that. But it doesn't matter as far as what he considers a success. Sure, because it is a success by definition. They did what they sought out to do. Exactly. Yeah. And I, I love that. It's like that's what you guys went well, out to it, do. It must be so great to be in, <clears throat> to be on a level too where where it, where it literally doesn't matter. Like you're going right. to be able to continue putting out records, and right. you are going to sell a certain number, and you know you're going to cover your costs in that respect. But you get to put out whatever you want, and, and sure you, you may because this record is so different from the last. You may lose, you know. X amount of fans, thousand yeah. fans, but, or, and then you gain some though. But you gain some more, and you're doing what you want to do. Yep. Like I can't imagine making a record thinking anything uh, like specific. Like oh, I'm trying oh, to do. It's a you terrible know. thing bands fall into, especially like genre specific bands, and like the pop punk bands or the blast beat metal bands. All these bands who have a very strict genre. If you deviate from that fucking genre, see ya. Like it's just not going to work. I know, and that's a really weird thing too. Yeah, it's it's and and that's that's interesting that you bring that up too because it's, I mean, I am definitely not in any way pompously suggesting that we're like beyond you know outside of any genres or like you know unclassifiable. I mean, not at all. Anyone would listen to this record and probably like be like, oh, this reminds me of X X and X. Right. But we definitely aren't aware of what genre we're in and we're not trying to create anything from from that perspective it's so hard to do sort of evidenced by like kind of the tracks with within this record because you know there's like let's take uh something like the wheel song number five i mean i do whatever i want on my podcast i'm just playing songs oh no the, the wheel it's it, so it, much different it's than sentimental strangers. Like a bit of a trip hop thing going on, like you know, is the you know, like tricky. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like the, the the beat that our drummer is playing here and the bass line, you know, almost has that sort of tricky or cordis head sort of kind of feel to it. Which, you know, conceivably somebody could hear this record. You getting a good enough signal there? Yeah. Somebody can hear this record and, and you know, or, or hear this song first, and uh, you know, expect nine other songs of sort of of this genre, and maybe be, right. maybe be surprised, maybe be disappointed. I don't know. But I guess all that to say, like, is that all? It's is that really all organic drums? Yeah, those are all drums, man. Wow. That's that's one of my favorite things about this record. There's so. I mean, Anders Bergstrom, our drummer, is, I mean, well, he's, he's, he's single-handedly one of my favorite things about this record, but um, the process where we got these kind of, we captured these, these amazing drums that a lot of people have asked me, they've said, you know, is that drum machine or is it drums? And they're all, it's all drums. I mean, there's, that is so we phenomenal. have a couple like electronic percussion sequences going on here and there. Right. And I think there's one song, Wayne Feathers, where you can hear an obvious drum machine beat that supports 
the uh, the main beat that he's playing. But um, yeah, no, they're all they're all drums, and the reason why they sound like electronic drums is is comes down to Andrews and his incredible playing, and also Ryan and his producing. So the the real uh, the real ace of the sleeve in 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 this whole process, especially the days at Jackpot, is that Ryan's a drummer, a badass drummer himself. Dude, it's his secret weapon. So you get these two together, and we just as it's, soon as we walked into weird. Jackpot, we were like, oh my god, we're we're in such good hands. I mean, first of all, Andrews brought, you know, if if not four full kits, like you know, the equivalent, like there are at least just four kit drums to fuck around with, you know, six eight right. snares. More it's so much fun as a drummer to do that too. It's not fun to lug your shit in, but it's fun to play around. Exactly, and, and for for every single song, it was more or less a, a total tear down of the kit. You know, Ryan had I don't remember the exact number seventeen sticks in mind. I think that might have been it. I think there were seventeen mics going on, and, and like I know wow. for I know for a lot of audio people who 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 are hearing that might might you know think what the fuck you know you, you don't put well you're 17. also putting extra work on like you know a lot of engineers are, let's set up the one drum set don't move the fucking mics that's the one sound right. don't breathe you know that's, and, that's what we wanted we wanted all these different sounds right so like the 17 mics yeah if you if you open them all up all together you probably have phase nightmares for sure but that wasn't the point the point was and ryan told us about this ahead of time so we knew that we had this to look forward because he was like i put up a shit ton of drums you know i'm out of mics you know there'll be a crotch mic there'll be a yeah. you know behind the drummer's butt mic there'll be real mics galore the idea being that you have all these different snapshots so you can have like so you know say in this like little verse section you really want to get this washy you know open sound so you know he's got He's got the room mics open and then all of a sudden you come into the chorus and everything tightens back up and it's just, you know, the only thing live in the mix right then is, you know, kick, kick and snare and overhead or something. Yeah. You know, yeah, I had yeah. all these different options. Right. No, it's, it's great. So I think that was what, a, you know, we were in plus with, you know, his mixing skills and processing and whatnot and, you know, support with some samples here and there. Like he was able to get these sort of kind of tripped out almost robotic sounds yeah um we're, really we're working with, with a uh with a uh, radio promotion uh company called tinderbox that's doing a college radio push for us right now and when we sent them the record the guy uh who, who we deal with john when he heard sentimental strangers the first track on the record he asked me about that he was like he was like are those live drums and i was like yeah and he was like no that's like, the first thing i asked yeah and he was like, the hi hat, it's too, it's too robotic. It's like, well, that's, that's, that's yeah, that's, yeah, that's Andrew's playing that too. That's so cool, man. Yeah, and and your drummer. So is Andrew the permanent drummer? He's yeah, the guy. Yeah, absolutely. He played he, live. He he didn't play on the last record. Um, the last record was half of our old drummer from the band we were previous in. Um, previously in Little Beirut was that band. Um, and then half of the producer. That, that we worked with on the record he played the other half the drums so that that record is not a drum record like this one is right. for sure so this a cohesive vision for a drummer yeah Anders joined the band after we put out the last one so he played those songs live you know for shows but uh but yeah this was our first thing that we recorded with him and my god it was just it was so awesome can i say a little bit about yes sort of the, his process too for so 
so we did a lot we did a lot of pre-production pre-production was kind of right sort of the writing process too where like i remember that i've got i've got my studio and i would you know flesh out some demos down there and and i would do everything with drum machine just because you know i mean i've got a drum kit down in my studio but i don't play very particularly well and it's just i love drum machines and they're easy to work with so when i'm when i'm sketching out an idea i'll 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 have you know drum machine will be holding down the beat um and so what we would do is I would send over recordings of four or five, six or so of, of these pre-production songs to, to Anders, to our drummer. And he would come over and I'd mic up my kit and and I would have him just react to what he'd heard and like. And I would, I would always try and send him like the recordings like just before he came in so that he would, you know, kind of, he'd know the song, sort of like know what's going on, but like not have like, you know, not have super solidified ideas. Yeah. And what, what we would do is just like do, we wouldn't even do necessarily full song performances, like, you know, run, run the demo. He wouldn't record against the, the demo or like from start to stop. I'd say, hey, you know, let's focus on the verse here. Play, give me some ideas, and he. I'd have him do like five or six different takes, a sort of different stuff, and and so it would be inspired by what was there previously um, on the on the drum machine, but not the same by any means, and sometimes entirely different. And so, and then you know, and then he'd do the do that over other sections, and then you know, then he'd go home and leave, and then so I'd be left with all these takes of these like really cool ideas yeah and and then it was sort of a matter of sort of cutting things up into pieces and saying okay well this this groove that he's doing here that's freaking awesome mm-hmm. for a verse so you know take that and like you know cut and paste it and sort of frankenstein a, a, a performance out of out of the different things that he you know i had chopped up and um you know and so that built up our pre-production drums and then when it was time to actually, you know, record the real deal, of course, he went in, you know, we went to Jackpot and he recorded everything live there. That's great. I mean, it's such a cool way to do it. You know, any band I was in, we would do some of that, but it was always, as a band, we would do just scratch tracks. You know, and I think it also depends on the type of drummer. Like if, because if, I was always there during writing, but if that's not kind of how you guys did it, you know, that's just such a cool way to do it. Other, you know, rather than just like, here's the song, start drumming to it. It's like, here's here's our version of that song. Now, you're clearly the better drummer. You're the tradesman here. Yeah, make it cooler. Make it cooler. Do the thing better. And then the thing that was so great about the, the final step of having, you know, doing the real performance in Jackpot is like, so for my pre-production Frankensteins, like, obviously I'd be missing... You know, often, often like he played, you know, the part that I wanted, he only played for a couple bars and then he moved on to something else. So I would just have to take those couple bars and cut and paste. Right. Um, so I was missing the kind of, you know, the kind of organic things that happen with a drummer. Like, you know, you're as you're approaching the chorus, your foot's slightly uh, lightening up on the hi-hat or, <laughs> you know, yeah. the cymbals, all that kind of stuff. So getting the full takes in the studio that's you know that's where we got all the all the life and you know 
in in the performance. Plus, we had John, our bass player, uh, play the bass live with him. Oh, great! So that was more organic. Yeah, and... just to get that sort of feel of two musicians playing together. Because we so we've great. never done anything like this before either. Like usually it would be all the guys playing, doing scratch tracks, and we thought about doing that. We were like, okay, well, should we do that? But we were like. I don't really see why, since since Anders is so... Uh, it's Anders. Anders. I, think I was calling yeah. him Andrew earlier, so yeah, Anders. apologies. He's a Swede. Um, have you seen Workaholics? I haven't, no. Oh, well, one of the guys, one of the characters, his name is Durs. Durs. it's Anders. Durs. So, oh, yeah, there you go. Gotta call him Durs. Yeah, call him Durs. Dursley. Um, but, uh, you know, we were like, since, since Anders is so tight with uh, just playing with a click... Yeah. Like, why don't we just have him and John, the bass player, play against these previously recorded pre-production tracks? You know, drums muted out, of course, and bass muted out, just, you know, so they're not fighting against themselves. But rather than try and, like, take the time to sort of recreate it all as scratch tracks, let's just... Let's just work with this. Yeah. And it, it ended up just being such an easy workflow. So they actually, they did track at the same time. Yeah, record, two of them tracked. In real time. But, you know, while listening to a click and then keyboards, guitars, vocal, you know, the scratch vocal from the pre-production demos. Great. So they were hearing that and just so adding cool. drums and bass in, in real so time. so cool. And you guys just went and did your guitars and vocals later? Yeah, keyboard. well, we actually, I mean, it was, it, Jackpot was, and this was, so this was like, what, this was about a year ago. Um, it was a total, total luxury experience for us. We had, I, I don't remember if we'd booked three or four days, but it was just drums and bass. That's, that's all we did. Nice. Um, just cause, you know, we were like, let's, let's, let's get these, let's, let's get these right. And, and let's get really cool sounds. And it, yeah, it took a shitload of time with all that drum breakdown and yep. setup and yep. all that. Dude, it turn, it's worth it. But we knew that, like, the remaining <clears throat> things to be recorded were not were not things that would benefit inherently from from being in a in a big studio. You know, like, I mean, keyboards are you know essentially direct um, guitars for the most part. You're you're talking about a mic against the amp grill, and you know, it can be in your basement. Yeah, just as easily as anywhere else, and plus vocals. You know, that's you're just looking for a dead environment. So, now who did this artwork? I'm looking at the the album artwork here. That was that's something that um, our singer Hamilton found um, from an Instagram artist up up in Seattle. Um, His name is Tim Manthe, and uh, we already had the album title, "An Ocean to Swallow," and it's. For people listening on the on the uh, podcast, you who haven't seen the cover, it's kind of a giant mouth um, that you're looking into inside of these lips, and you're sort of seeing this like it's so cool, kind of futuristic looking water scene inside it. Um, yeah, as soon as he saw, I mean, he he saw that picture, he sent it to us, and we were all like, "Oh my god, that's, that's perfect. so cool!" And then it was just like. Okay, write this guy a nice email now, and ask him it? if we can use it. Did you have to pay him? We did have we did we paid him for it. Good. Um That's but, great. but he the back of the album is a piece of art that he created to to be the album back. Like that wasn't oh, previously really? existing. So yeah. he just kinda made it one. So we said, Hey, you thing. know, we'd love to buy your piece of art for this purpose and if you if you could also make something that'll, you know, accompany it. 
produced by Ryan O'Connell Lewis with Edwin, how do you pronounce it? Parasian. Parasian, mixed by Ryan O'Connell Lewis. This is great, man. Yeah, nice and God, basic. Out so and... cool. And so, what was, uh, so for the listeners, I'm holding a CD and a cassette tape. What, what was the idea? What was the thought process behind doing a, a run of cassette tapes? I yeah, love I, it, by I, the way. I think, I think no, it's great. I think nothing other than just a little bit of nostalgic fun. Just for fun. Yeah, exactly. I think, you probably don't quote me on it, but I think we only made 100. You sure. Know, there were, we're really just going to give them to people just for kicks and yeah. also like little gifts. You know, we, we're getting some nice uh, spins on college radio right now. We actually just... Uh, well, I have to set charge at one fifty nine. So, you know, yeah, I saw we'll be, that. I posted we'll sending, that actually. Sending those out to a few music directors. Cool. But, you know, I, I always have to ask first, though. I, <laughs> like, do you have something? Like, is this your? You know, do you have something to play? Can you on? play this? I, Dude, I, I think this sounds good. Yeah, totally. It's, it's super it's, analog. It's fuck. I love it's got the that way little bit of sound. white noise, a little hiss in the background. It's got it's it's it really is this familiar thing for me. And oh, man, I, mean, I grew up with cassette tapes. I mean, we oh, all man, did. It's I mean, it's almost it was such it, a big deal for me. Kind of, it was bad timing from a from a posterity perspective for me because I you know so I mean I I was. I think people are most into like acquiring music probably when, when they're in their teens, you know, sure. and, and like, that's like the time yeah. for me, it was, it was all cassettes. I mean, that's, that's what we had. <laughs> right. I, I mean, vinyl, like I didn't have a, re- I, I've never had a record player. Like I wish I was buying vinyl because I, I probably still have it, but I had hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and needless to say, I don't have them anymore. They, they don't last. Right. That's one thing about cassette tape. They don't last. One of my favorite things about cassettes was like warping. when when cars always had uh you know cassette players in them and in and every once in a while you somebody's car would like the cassette player would break with the cassette in it <laughs> right then, right right and then the car would just be like every time you get in that car you, you're hearing that cassette for like you know the next couple That's of months it. until you figure out a way to pry it out <laughs> the old days so if, I know, I, if we can get this stuck in somebody's cassette player then. Yeah, it's good. It's weird the physical media thing, man. Because well, I was going to ask you about that. It's like nobody buys it anymore. No, honestly, no, they really don't. I mean, myself, I myself included. I'm. I, I'm I was. I feel like the last person in the, in the world to join Spotify. But once I was there, I was like, Oh, this is why. Oh, I kind of get it. Kinda like you can listen this. to anything you want Literally at any anything. time. It's so great for when you have that, like. That memory, you're like, oh my god, remember that band? I know. You never, you're like, maybe it's I even know. a song you hate. <laughs> you're not going to buy it. You'd be it. surprised like, what's on Spotify now. And not all the obscure bands that we grew up listening to, for sure. But, um, oh, fuck, a lot most, of them. Most, most of, them. of them. Yeah. Most yeah, of them. I mean, you hit some, you know, notable exceptions. But and it's not hard to get on Spotify. Any independent band can yeah, upload their stuff to it. I think it's... There's a quick approval time, and you're on. I, yeah, I, I don't know, uh, I don't know if... There's got probably multiple means, but you know, locally, CD Baby, um, CD Baby yep. you know, that's it's, it couldn't be easier. And no. it, you sign up with them, and they take care of. They push it out to. I mean, their their list of digital partners. I don't even know all. Of it's it, the know, better it's, way to do it instead of individually trying to do it yourself. Yeah, that seems exhausting. It is exhausting. You, know, it would, you do it with them, and you're covered for Spotify, iTunes, Apple Music, Amazon. You, yep. you know, I do it with a podcast. We have a. A thing called Libsyn. They're the host, the RSS host, 
And yeah, they just upload it for us to everything. Nice. You know? I haven't. That's like I haven't thought of podcasts on Spotify. Yeah. Is that is that like a browsing category? Yeah, or? it's becoming big. Yeah. Shit, I need to. Yeah, I mean, basically any podcast that you know of is starting to get on there now. Wow, yeah. that's thanks for that. Because because I because I don't know. I, sometimes the podcast app bumps me out a little bit. So how come the iTunes the uh, yeah, the, iPhone just, uh, one? The, the way you know it's what what it's got and what you have you know it has like the buffered versions of, yep. of I don't know sometimes it feels a little clunky. It is very clunky. The, I think the Spotify one's better. Yeah, yeah. I'll have to check that out. Um, and if you do, you do do the paid service. Yeah. So I think with that, if you like, when you download an episode, just like if you download a song, it'll always be there off air. Not that iTunes doesn't do that, but it's a little wonky and unreliable. Like if you get on a plane and there's no service and you hadn't downloaded that first. Anyway, yeah, I, I just yeah, found it I've more reliable. Sat there, like trying to get it to load before. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. So so how long? Um, you, you said all of you guys are pretty much from here. Well, no, not really. I mean, we've we've been here a while. Um, so Hamilton, our singer, is from Alabama. You know, again, we met we met in New Orleans, and then we, the two two of us plus the rest of the band from New Orleans, plus girlfriends, cats, dogs. Well, you know, the whole, like a, a huge entourage. We we moved here together. Oh, okay, gotcha. That's in right. Ninety four. Um, you know, a big old rider truck and a bunch of cars. It was it was a total adventure. Um. And then John, our bass player, um, is he's from Kentucky originally, um, and then he was in the Bay Area and was planning to move up to this area anyway, but sort of getting ahead of it and, and looking through Craigslist ads, like trying to you know see if he could find himself a good musical situation. And we, well, actually, he had posted an ad, I believe it was. He, he had posted an ad saying, you know, bass player available we contacted him and sent him our music and he he fell in love with it and wanted to try out for the band he was still in the bay area and so that that didn't really seem very promising to us like he was like well maybe i could just come up you know try out and then if it works out when i move here it's like okay you know you know don't break your back but like if you want to fine Because um, because he had sent us some links to some stuff, and we we knew he was like a you know a solid player, but still it's just like you don't know. And but he he came out for that purpose, and and we finished the first song, and we were like you're in the band. Like there wasn't even oh, any, wow. yeah there wasn't even any discussion. Like we like you're the guy. Yeah, it's he he sort of nailed it like with 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 uh with finesse. So what's the plan with um? I mean, what's the plan with the band? Are you guys are you trying to tour? Are you trying to get signed? Are you trying to push this, or is this more of a? We're we're not really. I mean, we, you know, we we have we sorry we we exist kind kind of in a strange realm where we're we're you know we're super serious about it. It's not like it's you know just some hobby. I mean, it's yeah. you know it's 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 the thing that I like to do. Right. Yet you know. As a commercial venture, it's it's not. I mean, we're, number we're not we're not very good at promoting ourselves. We're not really we don't we're you know we're kind of subtle with pushing stuff out there, and we're also not in a position where we can really tour. 
Um, you know, Hamilton is a dentist. John John works in in finance. You know, oh, wow. We all have ki- all of us have kids, right. um, and just we're we're kind of tied down in you know we we can't just get in a van and go right. Um, and then as far as like labels go, I mean, you know, I would I would talk to anyone, but I I don't even know what the point of of a label is anymore. I know. You know, it's it's. I agree. So in some sense, we're like like I mean. We kind of think give we have it alone. made right now. It's like I mean the, the part the part of the process that has always resonated most with me is the songwriting and recording process. Yeah, um, just doing it. That's what I love most. Now, what about live? Are you guys wanting well, we, to play some shows? Oh yeah, yeah. we are definitely going to play. Um, we we love doing that, and everybody's kind of around the northwest. Everybody's totally it. itching. Yeah. yeah, exactly. But it won't it won't be a ton I mean, of let me shows. Ask you, so if 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 um. You know, I don't know. A bigger band found you, or, or some management manager liked you. Would you guys take the opportunity if it was a really good opportunity? If you got to open in front of a thousand people every night, well, that's you know we we have to just cross sort that of bridge. Cross that bridge when when because I think you guys are great, and um, you know, I I I get the casual or not the casual, but I understand the the commitments at home and all that. Okay, I don't want it either. <laughs> I mean, I would I would have to be offered something really big to get me to go disappear for a couple months or even a couple of weeks. Yeah, but um, I just I just I'm just asking because you guys are so cool. Well, I think we I think we you know we'd consider it just it's a great record. for the experience of it, you know. And it, it's like because I mean you know I mean frankly it's I mean let, with with what with what you know two of the guys are doing in the band you literally need to be selling fucking a million records i think you know to even to Make even their salary, com- compete yeah. with what they're you know what they're used to bringing in sure. so you would never pencil out monetarily but i think we we'd consider an experience like that just for the experience of it you know right but but really it's it's, a, it's really it's we just like thing. we just like you know like creating definitely want to play some good shows and and would love to just spread you know spread the name as much as we can yeah absolutely see what comes from it i think you guys would be good to get on some um like licensing agencies stuff like that we, we're definitely working on that that's see like the, that that's the one thing that we can definitely see where you know we, we could have some success with that and that could help sort of pay for these ventures and or even just be an extra source of income. Yeah. You'd be surprised yeah. how much you can make doing that. Definitely. That's that's I mean, you know, there's there's music playing during every video segment that you see, whether it's YouTube yep. or television or any I mean video game or something. Yeah. Like, yeah, video games, exactly. Like there's and we've had we've had a bunch of our music in the past on on cable shows like The Real World and Yeah, we we did too. In the real world, Rogue Rules Challenge, stupid yep. shit like that. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, and desperate housewives and oh, that's great. You know, shit that you never that I would personally probably not watch. But um, who cares? Yeah, who cares? Send me a check. Right. That's that's so great. It's the best thing in the world. Just sitting at home receiving ASCAP checks or BMI or whatever you're part of. Totally, and you know, there, there's some like you know big prizes hanging out there. I mean, then of course yeah. they're, they're not they're not easy to score by any means. But you know, it, like you anything it. in this industry, it's connections and stuff. We, you know, we know the guys in Derby. Um, yeah, local I'm from band. Derby. They, Hell yeah, they scored a, uh, I think it was an Orange Bowl. Um, I believe it was like a Ford Explorer commercial. 
And I, I don't know exactly what that paid for them. I know I know it was good. Yeah, oh, I'm, you know, I'm sure it is. Kind of like one sort of event that yep. pays huge. Yeah, I mean, I, the the band I was in, you know, we we were the biggest band no one's ever heard of. You know, we we had a a good run, but we were lucky enough to get on a handful of those sort of things. And one of the things we were a part of was a movie called The Wrestler. Mickey Rourke, you know. He's yeah, like, yeah, I've heard of that. And so we I have like it. a five-second little blip. I mean, if you blink, you're gonna miss our song. But I still get checks for it today. That's <laughs> you know, that's so it's, awesome. it's not that much anymore. But during the first couple of years, it was pretty significant to the point where it like, you know, would pay for rent, it would pay for the bills and stuff like that. It was yeah. great. Yeah. And we, it's not like we're fucking Aerosmith on the the soundtrack. Imagine what they make. Well, exactly. You know? and, and that's why, you know, that's why it's like it's unbelievable. You, you can get these things because, of course, you know, the, the program directors, the music directors for these shows, they don't want to have to pay more than they have to. I mean, sure. You know, if Apple's releasing a new iPhone, then it's going to be, you know, one of the biggest bands in the world. Yeah. Can be Jay-Z their song, or, right? yeah. But, uh, you know, for all indie stuff movies and stuff. Yeah. From that. They, you know, they've got a budget and like... Well, they, and they can't afford to... I mean, that movie had like Poison and Motley Crue. It was all like these 80s stripper rock songs and then like our band. <laughs> because the song was about a stripper. It just happened to be about that. That's so So awesome. I think the words tied us into the algorithm of being shows that movie. And that's the thing that kind of... It's good and bad with how these licensing companies handle it now. You know, like uh, Rumblefish in town or Marmoset. They're they're great, great people, and it's like you said earlier, if you know someone there, they might really try to shop your music, but if you don't, you're just part of their catalog, you're going to be put into an algorithm that these music directors from film or marketing people or whatever, they'll type in, they'll literally type in like keywords. Yeah, like sexy mood. Sexy mood, creek, western vibe, chill, whatever the, the mood is, and it will populate this song or this band or whatever. And so it's just, it's just by fucking chance at that point, yeah. which is good and bad. Right. You know, like Pacific meantime could populate from some of those terms. That's great. But what's better is if you know the guy and he's actively trying to seek out something. Yeah, absolutely. It. Somebody who believes, uh, believes in the band. Yeah. I, I, just old. I agree with you on that too. Then that's where, uh, Tinderbox out of Minneapolis, they do, they do college radio promotion and they do licensing. Um, and they've, They've been great for us in both both areas before, so we're working with them. Good um, again in that. But the great another nice thing about licensing is virtually all of it. You know, if if you're not talking about publishing deals, is non exclusive. So right, you know, you can take one song and you know work with one company who you know maybe they'll place it in some show, and you could still take that song somewhere else and do Hell something yeah, else. Yeah, man. It, you know, so it's, now think of all the companies like that in the country. And I think it's one thing that I think independent bands don't take advantage of enough. Yeah. You know, instead of submitting your music to two of those agencies, do it to 700 of them. Sure. Do it to every single one in the country, in in North America, even in Canada as well. Fuck Europe as well. You know what I mean? Like, why not? I mean, really sit down and and make it. It's a lot of work. (laughs) It's a ton of work. Um, I'm, I'm not saying it's easy or even possible, but. It just seems like it's it's not well, a thing the persist, band's doing up. Persistence will 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 help out, you know, for sure. For sure. And that's that's one of the things we struggle with though. You know, it's it, that's 
Well, it's hard when you're you know, raising a like, kid. Yeah, I mean, you know, we managed to get like you know, and like I was saying, I was I was I was unemployed for for a few years there, and and that you know during that time, you know, I worked on this record and I worked on it a lot, so that was kind of like it was good a luxury. Yeah, right. so it's like we definitely managed to make sure that the music is taken care of and that you know nothing is no no corners are cut in that respect. Um, right. which of course is the most important thing. But then unfortunately, you know, I, I definitely admit when, you know, I mean, I started working the day I was done with the record and, and now have way less time and, and the other guys are, you know, working hard too. And, and things like this, you know, like, you know, making sure that you're getting your music sent out yeah. to, to all the right places. Those, those are the things that unfortunately suffer, you know, we should, we, yeah. we could probably use, you know, some help. Yeah. Well, if you're listening and you want to help, contact me and I'll send you to Edwin. <laughs> I mean, because there's a lot of like publicists that can help you with that for a pretty decent price. Like you'd be surprised, you know, and it's in their incentive. It behooves them to sell your product. I mean, because when they do that, then they make more money and they look better and whatever. Like, you know, the guys I represent, I want all the bands to do well. I want to help everyone out. I want to open doors. I want to push the music as much as I can. Um, you know, yeah, really, why, why wouldn't I? It's it's just going to help everyone. It's it's cool that you have you have that position and that you're that you have that uh the inclination as well. I appreciate you having me on the podcast. Hell it, yeah, man! Was, I love doing this. This is really fun for me. I mean, I I love playing music and doing all that, but I started stateside just to be involved, to stay involved, to stay in in uh, you know the industry, the circle of of uh, musicians. And on top of that, I did the podcast to, A, have free marketing for what we're doing. But also, I just want to talk to people. I've always liked talking. I've always loved podcasts. I'm a podcast junkie. Um, Best driving, so, you know, driving activity ever. Yeah, man. Why not? Like, just whatever. Hey, have <laughs> it's you not heard that of, hard. You know, Ryan told me about one of my favorite ones. I've only I've only listened to a few few episodes, um, but uh, Studio Rockstars. Yeah, he was telling me about that as well. I I have yet to really dive into oh it. Oh my god, need to do it. you're gonna love it. Well, well, do Is you do on? you love the the, the technical side of the studio? I mean, yes do you like no. hearing about it? Yeah, I do. I I um, I'm pretty dumb when it comes to the mix engineer side of you know the engineering side of things. Nah. Um, that's why I hit things with wooden sticks, and I'm just a caveman with that's music. That's I was for years too. I, I yeah. was utterly uninterested until a band I was playing in broke up, and all of a sudden I was like, just sure, it was just me and a guitar, and I was like, for the first time, I was like, shit, I kind of need a eight track or something, right? You know? And yeah, 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 yeah. And then, uh, then that's was, usually how it happens. You just start recording just your own hit, band, hit by it. Yeah. right? And now it's almost. Just, just half the fun, like it's that technical aspect. What I am interested in, and I'm really interested in, is how records are made. the The story of Ryan using a ton of microphones to capture the different drum sounds, the different drum sets you guys used, the fact that you recorded bass and drums at the same time. I love all those stories. Yeah. I love all that. Right. But what I don't care is what compressor you use sure. and what yeah, fucking yeah. EQ. Like I don't care about that. The, the gear <laughs> the part of rabbit it. Yeah, yeah, that's I get cross-eyed and, and spaced out. I just don't care. It's like watching an action yeah, movie. I, I just can have a little zone out. I can have a little too much of that too. Yeah, once once you start, but I know you know like Ryan and all the, they yeah. love that stuff. 
You know, they yes, get Ryan, really Ryan into can go it. toe to toe with the best when oh, it comes yeah. when it comes to yeah. It's like people talking about cars or something. You know, he just they they really get into it. Yeah, actually, Anders cracked me up. He he called me our, our drummer. He called me up after. After we were, we were getting these mixes back, and and Anders as a drummer was was blown away by these drum treatments coming from Ryan, and he would just like it, it was so fun for him because I think he's done he's a studio session player who played who's played on probably more people's records yeah. in Portland than freaking any other drummer maybe, um, and he's he, in that context he does a lot of these sort of just you know set up the drum mics you know here's your drum you know this is the drum sound for sure. the record kind of thing so i think this was super super fun for him that's great and i don't remember the specifics of what he had some questions for ryan about like how he had mixed a song i think it was sentimental strangers or something yeah and he said that ryan started talking to him about some compressor or something or something real technical and he was just like he was like man about 30 minutes in i started to just like my my eyes were starting to cross i was like (laughs) that's like me dude you're going way deeper than i can when do you want me to hit the thing with the stick what (laughs) am i doing um hey we've been going for a while let's i need to take this break real bad because i'm drinking coffee and water and uh we'll come back and talk some current events there's some music news i want to cover and then we'll get you the fuck out of here so that's good buddy all right man We'll be right back. episode is brought to you by Revival 52 from Revival Recordings. Uh, let me tell you about the most innovative approach to music that exists today. Revival Recordings, an artist's first record label based out of North Carolina, has introduced Revival 52, a commitment to fans to release new music every Friday for all 52 weeks of 2018. From metal to pop punk to indie rock, Revival 52 will bring something new for you to enjoy every Friday. And they were giving away a free Amazon Echo to one lucky fan once they hit $1,000, but that already happened, so you snooze, you lose. But they're still releasing a song every Friday, and all you gotta do is just go to their Spotify account, just go to ffm.to forward slash revival52 and follow the playlist. And enjoy great new music from your new favorite record label for free right now. Revival52 on Spotify. Jokey artichokey, we are back from our ceremonial pee break, as we do every week. How was your break? Oh, it was fine. I uh, chewed on a few almonds. Didn't yes, have to Dude, I need to get some more refreshments in this goddamn room. I felt so bad. <laughs> I'm sorry. It's okay. My throat is closing up. It's so dry. Well, every week, Edwin, we do a movie pick of the week. And this week, I'm going to go big. I'm going to go... Huge studio movie. I'm going to pick Mission Impossible Fallout. 
It was way better than I thought it would be. Way better than it should be. Um, I believe it still has like 98% on Rotten Tomatoes. I'm going to look that up. H- have you seen this I one yet? Not. I Are you not. a movie guy? Do you have any I'm, chance to? I I am trying to be a movie person. I'm trying to be a better movie person. I I grew up without a television, which I think... No you way. Know, yeah, I know. It's, a, it's one of those guys. One of those guys. Uh, parents were academics. That's um, kind of cool. We we did go to see movies, not super often, to be honest. Right. Um, but I think something about just all those formative years without television and, and not too many movies sort of, I don't know. I was I, I read a lot more as a kid. Oh, that's um, good. So, but I, I you know, who, who, who doesn't love movies? Movies are freaking awesome. And so they're, I, they're my I have to challenge my sort of laziness about them. I would say next to music, it's my favorite art medium. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I've always you been. Really, just lose yourself. It's, it's I've seen the movie tonight after this. Have you yeah. seen a Hereditary? Fuck yeah, I've seen it twice. Oh my god, I, I'm Isn't going. It good? I, I've got to bring my wife back. She can't stand horror, but uh, it's it's not. But she's coming. She's it's not entirely a horror movie. I mean, it's, 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 it, I mean, it is at the very end, but not really even. It's just. Awesome. It's like The Shining, or you know, it's um, it's a family movie. It's like a drama, and it's beautiful. And I it's love just it. so well written and so, so well acted. And I kept like, telling my mom to go see it in a genre that she like it almost always just full of cliches mm-hmm. and jump scares and bullshit. I'm just exactly. It's impossible to get scared. And I was nice. I love. Scared. I love the main lady in that. In oh that yeah, movie. she was the Australian lady. That's she, yeah, she's, she's great. She's in a bunch of shit. She's Sunshine, Little Miss Sunshine. Little Miss Sunshine, that's yeah. right. She was, yeah. How about the kid? Ooh, she's creepy. Yes, very. All right, let me, uh, I'm going to do super ghetto audio here. And just so anyway, pick. Mission Impossible, huh? Yeah, let's uh, play the trailer. So I looked it up, it has 97% on Rotten Tomatoes. And how long has it been out for now? Um, About a week or so, week and a half, two weeks maybe. So that's pretty good for, that's a pretty good percentage there. You don't get a big screen, sorry. Stunts too. Yeah, he does all of his own stunts too. No way. Cast him aside. How long before a man like you has had enough? And like, legit, all of, like he learned how. Oh, that's good enough. But he learned. It? 
Yeah, I just yeah. saw it. He learned, he learned how to fly a, a helicopter. He got his helicopter license. For this movie? For this movie, so they could do a, a chase scene. It's, it's the, that's, that's kind of they said it's the incredible. biggest action movie ever filmed. And it's involving, you know, all the actors do their own stunts. So it's Tom Cruise and, and the, the other main guy, they both do their own shit. It's, it's, unbel- it's unbelievable. Like, Tom Cruise is flying through Paris on a motorcycle with no helmet, you know, at 80 miles per hour, being chased by a bunch of cops and shit. And they filmed it. They really did that. They could die. Like, any, any Tom Cruise, A-list yeah. guy, at any point, he could have died in a helicopter crash. It's just him and a helicopter spinning around and chasing each other. And it's, it's unreal. And I, usually that genre, like, bores me. Like you were saying earlier, the engineering stuff. You know, you just kind of space out, and I don't give a fuck about the expendables and, you know, whatever those... Yeah, well, they usually just throw too many explosions, yep. too don't much care. CGI bullshit. Don't care. You know, but if you do it right, and it's, like... Yeah. It's super fun. On the edge of your seat. Yeah. I mean, it, was, it was really good. It was like a Bond movie, but with balls. <laughs> it's really fucking fun. I hope it comes to Hollywood, because that's, that's where I like to see my movies. It's a great theater, right? It will. I love that place. It's love so it. good. You know what's funny? Um, I re- recently had a, a guy uh, who we were talking to about doing a video. He's been playing his he's been playing our record for a bunch of his coworkers and his friends. And one guy that he uh, played it for, who you know listens to normally totally different music. Um, I think hip hop mostly. He uh, heard the fourth song, Water Time, and he was like, hey, you know, this sounds like this should be playing in the end credits of a Tom Cruise action action movie. <laughs> wow. <laughs> so I was like, okay, I think I'm going to take that as a compliment. That is that is a good compliment. I'd take that too. So that's my movie pick of the week. There you go. Go check it out. Mission Impossible. Thanks for, the, thanks for the suggestion. In other news and entertainment news, we have Lollapalooza is going on right now as we speak. It started on the 2nd. And today is the third day. So and Arctic Monkeys are headlining it, huh? On Thursday they did. So this is the lineup. Bruno, or Arctic Monkeys, Travis Scott, Khalid, Churches. That, that was the big headlining for Thursday. Friday is Bruno Mars, The National Post Malone, Tyler, The Creator. Saturday, which is today, The Weekend, Vampire Weekend, a lot of weekends. Logic in St. Vincent, so that's cool. And tomorrow, Sunday the 5th, is Jack White. Odessa, a little Uzi Vert. Who the fuck? I don't know. Oh, my son, listens to, my, my son listens to him. Oh, yeah? Yeah, he's a rapper. Um, Portugal, a couple local boys. So is it now just like a like a, like a four-day festival in one yeah. place? Kind yeah. Of deal? It's not, it's not, a it's not one thing. Yeah, and it's not a tour. Yeah. I don't think. I think they just do the festival. Yeah, it sounds like it. Like a Coachella or whatever. Right. I mean, look at all these bands. There's so many bands on here that I have no idea who they are. Yeah, you know, in the in such a like when you just sort of, I mean, obviously they kind of order these and like you know headliner on down, but when you there's so much diversity there. Yeah, I mean, Jack I White, know. Odessa, little little Uzi Vert, right? I mean, like straight up rock to hip hop, electronic. There's DJs in there. That's cool, man. It's, it is cool. It's that's it's probably it's probably more interesting than it than it was. Right. You know. I mean, I, I went to a few of those for sure. I had I had fun with them, but have you heard this guy Borns? There, he's got like the the O, kind of like a yeah, Swedish O. Yeah, that you know. No, I haven't. He, he's surprisingly good. It's a, a a kid, a young guy from Australia, I believe, or New Zealand, one of those two. Um, but yeah, it's, it's really good. 
surprisingly good. And a, and a bunch of stuff that uh, probably neither of us have heard of, which is cool too. Tons of stuff. Probably have, it's not for probably me. have multiple stages too. Right. So that's going on right now. It's probably hot as fuck. It's in Grand Park, Chicago. Yep. Humid. Very humid, I would imagine. Pickathon going on locally. Um, another thing in news on music related is the the Northern California fires that are going on right now. Have you heard about this? Oh yeah, oh yeah, unbelievable. It's, unbelievable. It's so early for it, and they're going so hard. I know. And, and it's you know I think everybody's remembering you know the experience we had at the end of last summer with. The Columbia Gorge on fire, ash raining all over Portland. It's mm-hmm. disgusting. The air quality. They said the fire has grown to almost 250 square miles. Can, can you imagine that? See, uh, Oregon alone is not like 98,000 square miles. Let's look that up. I think that's right. Square. Oops. It's just insanely huge. For context. Yeah, 98,466 square miles for Oregon, and the, the whole of the fire was, what was it, 200, 250. Isn't that crazy? It's so crazy. That's a huge fucking fire. That is a huge fire. Yeah, can, can you imagine driving 250 miles? <laughs> and I know. Still, it's still a fire. How many, so it killed two firefighters last week, which sucks. I think the worst thing, too, is just the sense that, like, it's going to continue, and it's just getting hotter, and then meanwhile, yeah. like, you know, right. what's happening politically. It's a bummer. You know, we've got our fucking president, like, you know, taking, taking the bald eagle off the endangered species list, list removing, uh, you know, backtracking on emission standards and stuff, and it's just like, what? What the fuck's going on? I know now the world is burning. Everything's getting worse, and you're making exactly the the wrong decisions. And I just hope that it gets dumbs as sounds. I hope it gets bad enough that like people make a hard shift. You know, I think I think that's kind of what is going to have to happen. It has to, or else it's going to get worse worse. before it's going to get better. I'm I'm kind of pessimistic on it these days. So my uh, my cousin John lives in the Reading area. And him and his wife had to evacuate their home. And so his wife, uh, her parents own some like factory, like a, a big business down in that area. And so everyone, including her parents, and then they had to evacuate their homes. And then they went to this business. It was like a big warehouse as, as like a refuge to kind of hang out in the fire. And that area was safe. But then they had to evacuate that area. Yes, yes. And then, yeah, like it, it's, it's so fucked. It's fucked. You, yeah. it, and it doesn't matter if you're wealthy. You just, it, no, it's, it doesn't matter. Every, every, you just, it'll get you. you. It'll get you. you got to get out of the way. This is just where you've lived for years. And, and think of all the beautiful spots. I mean. Oh, my God. You know, I mean, it's, I know. the state of Oregon is, you know, just traveling around here. It's just, it's like one of the happiest things I could possibly do. And just like, imagine like, so sad you know, the these spots just going for good. Have you been through the gorge lately? Well, I have, you know, and in I mean, we've done a number of trips. It's getting out, a little bit better. Heading out that way, and um, and that was my first time going, actually going down eighty four since last summer. So um, I got my first look at it, and 
and it's it's quite a lot that burned up there. Of course, it's it's the heart of the summer, so it's like you know. I think in, in my mind, you know, when I saw the, the whole gorge burning, I was like, oh no! Like, of course, it's still super lush. It's still super green. You know, there's yeah. there's it's still beautiful, but there were there's hiking trails that they you know they were talking about opening right now. And they've just decided that they're pretty much indefinitely closed just because it's all the land super unstable. I know. No, it's. Do that. Do you remember that? Was it last summer that that fire happened out here? Yeah. Yeah. It was. It, it fucked up the entire summer. August. I mean, it just made the whole city and the whole valley just smoke. Oh, I know. It, it was, was really just hot. Too. Dirt. Yeah, it was so dirty. And I'm trying to find these pictures from from her. She posted oh. something of like a before and after. Of the I, neighborhood. Saw, I saw a picture today of an aerial shot of California. It was through sort of oh, like okay. kind of so heavy, heavy yeah. cloud cover. It, it looked like charcoal briquettes. It was Ugh. the clouds were, you know, you were looking down on a bed of complete solid bed of clouds, but the clouds were red and glowing from the fires below. It was a really poignant picture. Yeah. Yeah, I feel bad for everyone in California right now. You know, I mean, we've got some burning in Oregon, and yeah, it's, it's just the beginning of July. So I was just, August, we yeah. were just camping last weekend out in Silver Falls State Park. I love that place. It's, it's the best. And But the second day we were there, this huge wave of smoke came in from fires nearby. Yeah. And apparently a couple of weeks ago, the whole park was closed down because of a fire in Silver Falls. No shit, really. Yeah, and so we did um, one of the biggest hikes I've done in my life. It took us nearly four hours to hike. Did you do the, all the falls? All of them. Nice. Is it like Brutal. 11? Yeah, something like that. Yeah. It, it was um, like close to nine miles or something like yeah. that. Yeah. And that doesn't give it, it's not straight. It's like right. uphill oh, yeah. and switchbacks. Yeah. I'm still sore from it. I mean, I. It was real challenging for this fat piece of shit. It was yeah, really hard for me. I've, I've done that. That's that's, that's quite, a, quite a hike. Gorgeous, right? Oh, it's lovely. Unreal. It's lovely. You're going under the, the falls, the points. I camp there a lot. You know, they have a... I love it. This total segue, but uh, they they have uh, these two ranch houses up there. Have you ever seen them? Uh-uh. So, like, when you go mm-hmm. into the... When you take a left and you go into the main body of the park where they have the main camping area, yeah. if you go down the road, there's... You'll see a sign that says ranches, and, you, and then you take this small road that goes probably about another mile, and then it ends in this huge sort of meadow clearing. And there are these two, and they're separated by about a quarter mile, but these two massive ranch buildings that you can rent. Oh, wow. like rent. a Airbnb style? Well, no, it's like it's it's like a, it's like you're like a government, oh, you know, like a state park uh, camping reservation, but you're renting the ranch. It sleeps fifty, um, and it's like two hundred bucks to rent it per night. It's five zero. Sleeps fifty. Yeah, it's got it's, I mean, it's perfect for my family. It's rustic, so it's like there's a massive fire pit in the bottom, okay. and a bunch of tables, like sort of picnic tables, a great kitchen, like pretty much commercial kitchen for right. cooking, and then there's a, a loft area with with bunks. You know, you have to bring your own yeah. like, mattress, you know, air mattress or sleeping bag or whatever. But it's we've 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 had some massive parties there. Is it um, kid friendly? Yeah. What'd you say? Yeah, okay, absolutely. Cool. We did New Year's there once um, with uh, with about fifty people. It was so good. It sounds perfect. Roasted pig. Every uh, every year, my all the adults in my family will do like a homemade Christmas since they're buying my sister something. So we we pull out of a hat and we get assigned a person. So like 
last year, for example, I'd have my older sister, and I'd have to make her something. Oh, that's cool. And, you know, I can spend, like, 20 bucks, you know, and then she'd make me something. And we've been doing that for years, and, like, a lot of cool yeah, shit yeah. has come from that. Um, but this year, and some years we'll do, like, instead of that, we'll donate, like, to a donation of, you know, my choice. Like, I'll donate something I know she would like, and vice versa. Um, so this year, we're going to, instead of that, we're all going to put our money towards renting a big house for a family vacation. Oh, nice. Yeah, so we're going to, so anyway, that that's kind of reminding me, that sounds pretty rad. What is Silver Falls like in the winter? I mean, there's, um, it's pretty it's, similar to here, it's right? It's way less populated, which is great. The waterfalls are um, probably the most of my camping in the winter there. Uh, the waterfalls are, are just flowing like crazy. Right. And so that would be rad. Yeah, it's really nice. I mean, it's I've seen snow there. Um, you know, it's it's cold in, in the ranch house, but you but you, you burn crazy. You know, they have this, you buy a rack of wood. Yeah. And... Uh, you know, you have a massive fire, so that warms things up. It's it's nice. It's great in the winter. Yeah. I mean, it, it's rustic, you know. It's, yeah. It's not a goddamn hotel. It wouldn't appeal to, to everyone, necessarily, but... So it's in between staying in a, a house and a tent kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. That's pretty sweet, man. That sounds rad. I love, I love the Pacific Northwest. I don't know. I always, you know, there's part of me that, like... I, like, I love going down to L.A. There's parts of me that loves L.A., I, I like the the work ethic of that city, and I could see doing that. Like I understand why Ryan lives there; he loves it. But I was just I fucking I don't know. I miss it. Yeah, I love it too much. I know it's it's, it's one of a kind. I think it's it, this. This is the thing that took the longest for me. But you know, you know what I think the secret here is? It's hmm. the rain, and the rain. Like that's I mean, right. I see that all the time. People don't people complain about it. I mean, you'll hear everyone complaining about it. Yep. And, you know, it's been raining for three months. I'm so sick. And now everyone's complaining about the heat, by the way. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Everyone's complaining about the heat. But if, if you let the rain into your heart, you, yes. will, you will eventually love that shit. I feel so relaxed when Me the too. rain falls. And everybody sort of goes inside. Everyone and, like, the shuts the clear fuck out. out. It's wonderful. We'll get back to work. It's wonderful for being an artist. Start again. Wonderful yes. for being creative. Wonderful for just doing work. Yes. But it's also great yes. for, it's like, I mean, if we were to go to Savi Island right now, you ever go down there? Oh, hell yeah. I yeah, love if it. we were to go there right now, there'd probably be two layers of cars. Like, yep. It, it's packed. packed. Yep. Go there on, uh, go there in November, like sure. a weekday in November. You will not see another person on the beach. Nope. You, you can walk. With your dog and be there completely. Throw alone. a raincoat on, man up. It's not that bad either. No, it's, that's the thing it's about usually it. just it's drizzling. It's, it's drizzling. It's drizzling and it's not that cold. It's like Ireland here. It's just kind yeah. of wet all the time. Right. You know, and we have downpours, but never lasts. Totally. You know, it's just a constant <laughs> trickle. But if we um, didn't have that, if we didn't have this rain, then it, it would be California. And this that's would... right. Well, speaking of that, when I moved up here from Southern California. I remember I was just losing my mind as a kid. You know, it was the first time I'd seen a, that much forest in my life, that much green. I I could smell the pine in the air. You, you, like you've been on some tours, when you come back home, that's the first thing I always notice when you pull into the Portland area. You're like, oh, I can literally smell the clean. I can smell the the pine and the water and the, the water. Tap yep, is is perfect. I yeah, know. Man, it's it's 
And like I said, I've been here 25 years, and I look at my experience as this sort of almost like an exponential curve. Like, I, I kind of just love it more and more. And, like, and I've sort of, like, I mean, I'm not unaware of, like, you know, the issues facing this city in terms of gentrification and how, like, you know, how people of color have been pushed out. And, you know, North there's, there's a racist history, and there's a lot of We're one of the whitest. Shit. City one of the whitest cities. The um, but you know what? It's like those those are really complicated issues. Yeah, I think there are lots are. of good people here who don't, you know, who, who have the right ideas. And I'm simply not going to just turn around and start trashing this place that I've always loved just because, yeah, sure, there's there's too many of these new condo things. You know, this is the there's one right, one next, right to next to you. Like, you yeah. know, coming up right, left, and center. There's there's things that are not going right, but there, are, but but there, there's just too much to love here. And it's the ebb and flow of a city. I mean, yeah. it'll come back to, you know, what we probably remember it a decade ago or so. It's it's just how it goes, and also it's the cost of the city growing. Yeah, it's it's, it's just it's how it's it kind is. Of just natural, you know, natural market forces. I do worry about the gentrification thing. I do worry about that. I used to work at the Crystal Ballroom. Yeah, I worked there for like six years, the music venue. And, you know, anytime we'd have like a predominantly black show, if it was hip hop or we do a lot of private events there. Uh, in fact, uh, what was the guy's name? He used to be a Portland trailblazer, but he would throw these events. And it was all like, it was great. People would show up in like their best attire, you know, like big giant black dudes and like, fucking rad suits like a thousand dollar suits and they just dress to the nine and but the attitude towards us a prominently white staff white bartenders white sound guys a bunch of roadies tattooed white rocker people they fucking were not very nice to us and i get it i get it they're just they, and it, it's like where did all these fucking black people come from Dude, all of a sudden there's two thousand people in the room that Every other night was no effects playing, all these, you know, yeah. punk rock bands or whatever, indie rock bands full of white kids. And it's like, where the f- I don't see them walking down Burnside. I don't see them downtown. Yeah. They're, they're pushed away in some north corner, North Portland, where, you know, where all the fucking crime is, where all the, the cops being shitheads are. It sucks. I know. It's I mean, brutal, it's, it's man. kind of, it's just sort of like a systematic, historical, I mean, you know, starting with the Vanport floods and all the people that were displaced during that time and you know when it, it, you know but, but like nobody's really above it it's just mm-hmm. like we're all we, we're all in this problem together what i mean i you know we were just talking before the podcast like we, i live just in this neighborhood northeast close to northeast and the day i moved in even where I, you live I, I, I met my neighbor michelle she's like hey how are you doing i'm the last black person left on the block <laughs> No way. And Michelle is, you know, she's is, serious. is such an awesome neighbor and her son Elijah and they're they're fabulous. But like she's not kidding. You she's know, not, like, like we, look at Alberta and that we, whole area. We we bought the house that was like uh remodeled from it was a guy who had lived there for uh for thirty, forty years. He died in the house, but he was like an ex Black Panther. Right. You know, I think he had some mental health issues later on in life and and stuff, but like yeah, the whole composition of the whole neighborhood was different. Yeah. And, and you know, nobody's, you know, and this all, of course, started with, like, artists moving into, you know, like, Alberta area, yeah. Mississippi yeah. area. 
I remember the first night I was in Portland, 19 September something, 1994, I went to, I had a friend, Kevin Colgan, who was playing in a band called Molly Cliff that was kicking ass here at the time. Mm -hmm. And they had a rehearsal space on Mississippi and Shaver behind the Rexall drug building, which is, which is still there. And as we went to it, he was like, I'm taking you to the sketchiest part of town. And like, I mean, I had come from New Orleans. It didn't look terrible to me, but it was definitely, it was yeah. the sketchiest part it of town. It was the sketchiest part so of town. So consider that. Mississippi That's and Shaver. unbelievable. Mississippi now it's like hipster it's, bars and fucking yeah. tofu joints. It's so funny. But, you know, just like prices just kept on going up as, you know, as the, you know, it, as this, you know, it's just. Uh, Hillsborough is kind of having that issue too. Because I, as like a young guy, that's where I lived. You know, that's where me and all the producers here, we all grew up in Hillsborough. And all the bands, it's this weird thing out in the suburbs. Um, but there's a huge, huge population of Mexican people out there. Like a ton, a ton, a ton of Mexicans. And it was great growing up. Like fucking, there's there's whole like couple mile city blocks in Hillsborough that is 100% Spanish speaking. That's it. And I, we I always loved it. It was like some of the best food, the nicest people, fucking rad. And it still exists there, but they're just being cornered and segregated and pushed away even more because now Nike and Intel employees. That's right. Yeah, all, you those, know, all the tech companies. And it's not just white people. It's people from all around the world that are moving here. But, you know, the the migrant workers, all these people who work out in the Hillsborough Farm area, they're, they're just being pushed further and further away. Yeah, it's really, it's really unbelievable. My wife uh, works at Virginia Garcia Health Clinic. Yep. There, yeah. she's, a, she's a midwife there. She's, There's one right next yeah, to my house in Beaverton. She's uh, she's delivering the, all those those babies of those migrant farm workers. Oh, that'd she's, be tough. She's she's very she's very connected to that. And I have been my whole life to Mexican American people, just because live in Southern California. And yeah, absolutely. They're, they're my brothers. I love them. Yeah, they're, they're, well, they're lovely people mm-hmm. and lovely culture, lovely food. You know, and then. And then going back to our fucking president, describes them as rapists and criminals. It's pretty fucked. It's kind of insane. It's really insane, right? It's really, really crazy. I mean, look, I um, I try to be fair when I can. I don't like Trump the guy. I mean, there's not a lot for me to like. Um, but I, I try to be fair. If there's something that, you know, quote, the left or liberals are accusing him of doing something that he hasn't done. Then I'll stand up for that. I'll say, "Well, hold on, that's not what he, you know. Yeah, let's you let's be to, fair. Otherwise, you don't have any integrity. You got no integrity in, in the issue. And I am, yeah, and, I am, and, and the left can be just just oh, knee jerk is the right freedom of speech issues. And we're, you know, the left is getting pretty out of control. Um, so yeah, the older I get, anyway, I'm just trying to be more. I guess center is the word, but I don't know. Just it depends on the issue. I'm, I I could be considered you know considered conservative on some things. I could be considered libertarian on some things, and very liberal on others. Yeah. Um, but when I was younger, I would just it was just liberal, like <laughs> fucking rage against the machine, you know, punk rock liberal, whatever. Um, but the iron the irony in that is when I was young, I yeah, me, my dad would always point this out to me. I I'd always say like fuck government, less government. <laughs> right? He's right, like, right. oh, so you're a conservative. <laughs> like, no, fuck conservatives. It's like, yeah, all right, kid. <laughs> yeah. No, I'm just a kid and I don't know what I mean. <laughs> yeah, I'm just an idiot and I don't know what the fuck I'm talking about. That's hilarious. Yeah. Well, this has been fun, man. Yeah, absolutely, dude. I appreciate it. I'm, I'm really glad you had me down.
Yeah, so everyone go check out the new record. It is a delicious, delicious record produced by Stateside's Ryan Lewis. Where can they find it, dude? Well, the, the easiest place to find it would be probably Spotify, or if you're an uh, Apple Music listener, that's those are it's it's available for streaming. Also available on Amazon's uh, streaming service, um, iTunes. Um, an ocean to swallow. An ocean to swallow. Pacific meantime. Okay. Um, you can also find the music on our website and uh, you know links on our Facebook page as well, and those can just be found. You know www.pacificmeantime.com and you Instagram. Know, Do you understand that? Instagram? Yep. Just search Pacific Meantime and okay. boom. Love it, man. Yeah, go go check this out, guys. It's, it's and God damn it, it's good. I like I said, I think it's one of the best things Ryan's ever done. Ryan thinks it's one of the best things he's ever done. And uh, not to toot our horn and Ryan's horn, but he's really working with some major label people lately. He's doing some really rad shit. And to say that is uh, really powerful. You guys are fucking great. Huge honor, man. Thanks a lot. Yeah, definitely go support this band. Go check it out. Um, you can find me personally at James Ian McMillan on Instagram, and you can find Stateside at Stateside MGMT. Um, contact us for all your recording, mixing, mastering, producing, engineering needs. I'm sitting next to someone who's worked with us, and uh, looks like it went well. So it went real well, guys. Yes. All right, we'll catch you on the next one. Love you. Bye.
Well, hey, friends, my name is Zach Lupiton. You may know me from the band Dust Bowl Revival, but I also host a music discovery podcast called The Show on the Road. For the last five seasons, I've been able to dive deep and have intimate chats with folks like the Lumineers, Andy DeFranco, Wolfpack, Keb Moe, Lake Street Dive, Bela Fleck, and more. So guess what? After 150 conversations with some of my favorite songwriters from around the world, we are bringing brand new episodes to the Osiris Network. New interviews and intimate acoustic performances will be coming at you this summer. And which episodes are coming next, you ask? I am Zach Goody, the lead singer for the band Smash Mouth. Our band is called Milky Chance. We are based in Berlin. My name is David Shaw. I sing and write songs with my band, The Revivalists. Trust me, these conversations go some wild places. So subscribe to the show on the road on Osiris, and we'll see you soon. Okay.